Hey guys, and welcome to Money Talks News, the podcast. In this episode, we're predicting what's going to happen to your money in 2024. Israel, Ukraine, a presidential election, inflation, possible recession. There's a lot going on that could affect the global economy as well as your personal economy. It's always dangerous to make predictions, but we're going to do it anyway, as we have for decades here at Money Talks News. Today, we're going to focus on three main areas, the stock market, the housing market, and interest rates. Now, more than likely, you've got a dog in at least one of these fights, right? So in addition to predicting what's ahead, we're also going to make suggestions on what you should be doing now to prepare for that. I'm Stacey Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Markwit. Hello, Miranda. I missed you. Hey, Stacey. I'm excited to uh, start this year off right with all of our wrong predictions. Let's do this. <laughs> They're not going to be wrong. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hello, Aaron. I just stopped predicting. I'm done. <laughs> I don't blame you. We've also got a couple of guests here with us today. The first is Mark Lieberman, CFA, an independent advisor with Shore Pine Wealth Management. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you, guys. Uh, very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. You're, you're quite welcome. And we also have friend of the show, Pam Kruger, who just will not get off of our airwaves. She's with us all the time. Hey, Pam. <laughs> Hi. Pam is from, is from WealthRamp, and what she does is hook people up with people like Mark. So anyway, we'll, more, more on that later. But as we start the show, remember this. We do not give you financial advice. Why? Because we don't know you, so we can't do that. So make sure to do your own research and consult your own experts before acting on anything you learn here. And now, guys, we can't be sued. Let's dive in. Okay, let's start with the stock market. Mark, I know exactly what the stock market's going to do in 2024, but I want to know what you think. (laughs) Yeah, um, and I'd love for you to tell me exactly what it's going to do in 2024. (laughs) Um, You know, I see a market right now that still has a lot of uh, excess from the pandemic liquidity that we all got um, to get to work off. And I think that that's going to come out in earnings. Um, and, you know, as we all know, earnings is what really drives the stock market. Um, you know, you look at just fourth quarter earnings, you know, at the beginning of September, people were calling for about an 8% growth in fourth quarter earnings. Now that we're almost through the fourth quarter, it looks like it's coming in at about 3%. So I think that that's going to be what you're going to see for most of uh, 2024 is expectations a little bit above where reality is. Um, you still have some job losses to be taken out with, uh, you know, the pandemic era. I call it the pandemic era fattening of our corporations. Um, they have to slim up a little bit. And so you're going to see some job losses and you're going to start seeing a little bit of a cutback in earnings. That does not denote, you know, we're going into this terrible linear recession where you're going to start seeing, you know, everybody and your brother losing their jobs and people on the street trying to sell apples. Um, But you certainly are going to start seeing corporations cutting, people cut back on spending and um, recession-like environment is what I'm calling it. Um, Not full-blown recession, but, you know, a light recession uh, during 2024. That doesn't mean the market can't grow through that. Um, So what I'm thinking is, you're going to see somewhere between a zero to five percent growth. You know, if we're on forty-seven hundred, around forty-seven hundred on the S and P five hundred right now, you know, maybe you see five thousand by the end of twenty twenty-four. But you might see it go well below forty-five hundred before it gets there. 
Um, so volatility, a lot of uh, excesses still to work off. Um, but, you know, corporations are strong. The Magnificent Seven stocks have wonderful balance sheets. And, you know, I think the U.S. economy can weather the storm, uh, whatever that storm may be. So you're looking at, now we're at 4,700. And by the way, folks, uh, for those listening, we're recording this on December the 14th of 2023. We usually do stuff that's evergreen, but this obviously we're going to tell you where we're at. Uh, and so we're, the, the S&P 500 is at 4,700 approximately. Um, now, Mark's calling for 5,000, which would be 8%-ish, 7, 7%, 8%. About 6%. 6%. 6%. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm going to do what I always do, which is try to make people uncomfortable. And I'm going to ask <laughs> everybody here. Let, let me say this, too. Um, I, I was looking at notes before this podcast. The most bearish Wall Street S&P forecast I could find was from J.P. Morgan. And, that, mm -hmm. and they said, end of 24, it's 4,200 on the S&P 500. That's 300 points less than we are right now. In December of 2023, the highest forecast I saw was capital economics at 5,500. So that would be a huge gain from where we are now, almost a thousand points, 800 points. So now let's go around and talk to our panelists, and everybody's going to take a stab at where they think oh God. <laughs> that the S&P 500 is going to be on December 31st, 2024. Aaron, we're going to go alphabetically. Um, All right, you, you've I, got two I, A's I'm at the first beginning of your name. I actually just recently watched Jamie Dimon, uh, so I think I'm going to go with him because this guy, you know, banks the world, and uh, he's got some insights, so I'm going with him, 42. Oh, okay. Now, you don't have to pick one of these two things. You can pick anything in between, too, but you, you think the market's going to fall this year? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think there's, to me, Magnificent 7 here, the only thing that's held it up, and now I noticed today, if you look at the heat map of the stock market, the, the Magnificent 7 are down, and now all the other little guys are green, so it's everybody's just playing a game. Okay. You're, Aaron's not a big stock guy. I'm so impressed. <laughs> okay. What, okay, Miranda, you're next alphabetically. Where, oh where's the market going to end up? So, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to – well, I mean – Gosh, we I hate this because the the thing is is you know we've we've been kind of due for for a better correction. I don't really count the 2020 stuff due to COVID as a true like correction for the market or a true crash for the market because it was over pretty quick. It was kind of a blippy blip, and then um, you know, and 2022 was was a little bit bleak. 2022 was a little bit bleak, but here's the thing. So as of December 11th, uh, the S&P 500 was up right around 20% on the year. And if you look, historically speaking, um, the the year before an election year um, is, you know, the S&P 500 has usually a 17% average gain in the year prior to an election. And that's according to U.S. News and World Report. And then they're also saying that, like, during, since 1952, during a U.S. presidential election year, you're seeing a 7% gain in the market. So, uh, <laughs> so you're looking at this, you're going, okay, so if we go with historical predictions, then we should be seeing a gain in the market. But also, if we're looking at the fact that, um, you know, we've been due for like a real crash, I personally think, for a while, and we haven't really had a true, you know, sustained downturn for a hot minute. But, you know, U.S. monetary policy is entirely focused on propping up the stock market. So who knows when we'll have a downturn? Because because even though we probably should, according to economic cycle theories, like our entire monetary policy. Nobody wants to have a market crash during a presidential year, guys. No, nobody <laughs> nobody wants to be responsible for that. And U.S. monetary policy often reflects that. Now, now, here's something I used to say when I did television news. 
You didn't answer my damn question. <laughs> where do you think? Where do you think the S and P five hundred is going to? I don't know. I never know because whatever I think is going to happen never does. I'm I'm waiting for a real crash. I am waiting for this mother to like drop below Look, four thousand. Why don't you just say just say forty seven hundred and be okay? Let's say. <laughs> I might jump in here, Miranda. Do you know, it, Mark. Save me, Mark. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to save you. But to your point, you know, I think the market agrees with your assessment that the Federal Reserve is gung-ho on keeping this market up. You know, when, when the Federal Reserve came out yesterday and talked about, you know, change one word in their their statement to, you know, now about how things are going to look and the dot plot change to include, you know, potentially three rate cuts in 2024. Um, if you looked at the futures, the futures immediately called, you know, and those three rate cuts were, rate cuts were 75 basis points. Um, the Fed futures immediately called for 140 basis points of rate cuts. So the market is ahead of the Fed in saying this Fed is going to do everything it takes to keep this market afloat. Yeah. By the way, let me intercede here and tell you guys a little story. Um, every year for 15 years as a uh, television news reporter about this time of year, and Aaron was with me for the last 10 or so, right, Aaron? Yeah. We'd go out and stand on a street corner and stop whoever would stop and say, what do you think is going to happen to stocks, housing, and interest rates next year? We did that. I did it every year for 15 years, and Aaron and I did it together for probably 10. And just so you know, oh, and we would, we would also say, we would also compare that with Wall Street experts, people who get paid millions of dollars to go on television and make the same predictions. Now, let me ask you guys something. Who do you think was closer, the experts or the people on the street? 100% the people on the street. It, it, the truth is, Mark, that it was both. I mean, sometimes the experts were going to be better. But I can tell you right now, if you can go on CNBC right now and you can say the stock market's going to go up 8% next year, because I tell, I'll tell you, that's exactly what experts do every single year. No, no exceptions. Uh, and so anyway. Yeah, the, we, have, we have short memories. Okay, so I'll, I'll pop in really quick and I'm going to make my answer really short. Yes. Stock market, stock market. I say up slightly, but are we talking about literally like December 31st, 2024? Because We're, you know what's going to happen. You can't say what's it going to do next year. Well, of course it's going to be all over the map. Of course it's going to be No, up no, no. Literally yeah. December 30. Was I not clear on my instructions? December, December 31st, <laughs> 2024. December 31st. I need a number. We will reconvene only to find that I am right. We and, which is? Up. The stock market will be up 5%. So that's about that's pretty much not Marginal. far from what Mark said. Uh, a little, I agree little, with little less yeah, than what just Mark said. slightly. There's no reason for it to be any. In my mind, there's no reason for it to end up in any other zone. Okay. Well, I mean, th th these are like milk toast responses, but and, and, you know, the truth is that I I don't disagree with any of you guys either. Though I, I think that we will uh, have a lower market in the in the first part of 2024 and and it'll probably go back up you know and get a, be a little higher at the end of next year how but you know what that is literally the consensus not not just among us but among every among the people on TV the prognosticators and so you know what that almost guarantees you that that's not what's going to happen we're going to be wrong yeah. yeah we'll be wrong yeah well we all know the stock market does whatever it needs to do to make the most number of people wrong and, it does, and it's been doing that forever. And, and it, it does it so well. It does do it so well. Okay, you know, now. The bond market is the real interesting one for 2024. 
we can divert there. Well, actually, let's do this. Let's do this. Let, let's go ahead and go through because let's talk about interest rates because that also that, that's kind of you know what influences bonds. But let's talk about interest rates. Now, what do you think is going to happen with interest rates? Let's be, l- l- let me set the stage. Right now, we are at five. The the Federal Reserve sets um, the sets short term interest rates, and right now their benchmark short term rate is at five point two five to five point five percent. And that's a 22-year high. Okay, now, what's going to happen next with interest rates? Are interest rates going to go up, down, or sideways next year, Mark? Yeah, so, I you know, uh, while the Federal Reserve is very cognizant of what the stock market is doing, I think they also understand very well that the real estate market really drives a large, large portion of our economy. And so when I talk about this coming recession, if you want to call it recession light, whatever it may turn out to be, it's really kind of a rolling recession where different parts of the economy will be experiencing recession like environments throughout the next year to year and a half. And what I'm thinking uh, is going to happen is that, yeah, the Federal Reserve is going to bring rates back to a more normalized level. Once they start seeing inflation continue to tame or at least stay, I don't think they're getting to their 2% target, but you know, at 2.5%, they can start cutting rates right, and, and putting some more liquidity back in the environment out there so that you don't have a 30-year mortgage rate at 7.3% like you do today. At 7.3% uh, on the mortgage rate, nothing is going to trade. Um, you know, at 6%, you might start getting some movement in the market and, and unlock that market a little bit so that the economy remains healthy. And I think that's where they're targeting things. So I think they drive rates down maybe towards the second half of the year, um, maybe one cut, two cut, possibly three cuts. I don't think we get one and a half percent cut off of the, the rate, more like maybe 75 basis points to 1%. Um, and so you're going to see rates slightly lower um, you know, in the market than you see today. Okay. So let, let, let me go ahead and rephrase right now. Let's call it five and a half percent is where fed funds rate is. Okay. At the end of next year, you're saying four and a half, four and three quarters. So we're around there. Sure. Okay. I, and that's actually what I think too, but, and what I'm reading. Uh, okay. Let's, let's again, go around the horn, Aaron. Uh, yeah, I have to agree with that. Uh, it's already on that downtrend. Yeah. So if it everything plays out, and and what is isn't housing like thirty percent of yeah of the, you know of the Fed twenty percent at least yeah so yeah I think it's very important and I thought the Fed was not supposed to give a crap about what's happening in the stock market and, and actually are, I was I actually was going to call uh, call you out on that Mark because theoretically the the Fed is all about two things keeping inflation under uh, under wraps and also uh, employment keeping employment high and inflation low that's their mandate. Now, I, I don't think that they're influenced by what the stock market does. Theoretically, that is true. Yeah. Um, but yet you see them talk in ways that drive the market. The market, of course, is going to react and it's going to be anticipatory to what they do. But if you have a market that is getting completely crushed, um, that is capital that is not moving smoothly through the system, which then affects unemployment and, you know, eventually, obviously, uh, you know, has you know has somewhat of a say in deflationary environments or at least driving inflation lower um and so yeah i mean i think you're crazy to think that they don't look at the market but i don't think it's the first thing they look at certainly but the housing market i think is very very important 
Yes, and we're going to get to the housing market too. But before we do, Miranda's got to tell us where interest rates are going next year. I mean, I agree with everybody that they're likely to go down. The Fed signaled two to three rate cuts, like like we discussed. <laughs> like they've signaled these rate cuts. Yeah, um, they basically said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, and I get why. You know, we had inflation. Part of the reason why they were raising rates was to try and get a lid on inflation and slow things down a little bit. And uh, now that inflation has slowed, you know, it's time to start thinking about, you know, cutting. Because like you said, like, you know, the the whole idea is they have this inflation target of 2% um, and then, you know, trying to maximize employment. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that and a lot of things that, um, as Mark pointed out, like, sure, this the, like stock market is outside of their purview, per, you know, stated purview but everything they say is scrutinized by the market and as mark pointed out earlier like futures are already pricing in this potential rate cut now now pam where where interest rates going okay so i don't think there's a big mystery here i don't think it's a mystery why we all agree that rates will be lower they've already broadcast it so and the market's already reacted to it and celebrated it and so forth so i i would say that um mortgage rates i feel like mortgage rates have to get below six and a half percent and well, I think they're six point nine today. Yeah, they've got to get they've got to get down below. You know, a year from now, they've got to be you know under six and a half, six percent ish because you know people are. Uh, it, it, there's just so much pressure, and in this particular economy, I think you know, like you all have pointed out, that real estate is is so important for a lot of reasons. You know, that people consumers are really stressed right now. Um, you know, you've been reading about. You know how they've really gone out on a limb, and you know many of them have taken money out of their houses and their home equity and so forth. So there's a lot of reasons why this matters greatly, and so I think it will. It will manifest itself. I'm not going to say it's going to be in, in mortgage rate. Thirty year mortgage rate is going to be at five percent a year from now. I wish it would be, but I it's safe to say it's got to be in that six percent zone. Yeah, I think you're right. And and by the way, before we leave the topic of interest rates, two points I want to make for our listeners. One, although the Fed has literally said they're going to drop rates of half to three quarters of, of a percent, remember that the, the Fed has also said we are data dependent. So they're, they're, if things change, they'll change. So this isn't a sure thing. It never is. Uh, the, the second point is that going back to the stock market, the reason that when the reason Fed the Fed will drop rates is because the economy is getting softer, it's getting weaker, the unemployment rate's going to go higher, and this is why going back to stocks that that that, that all of us here have said that the stock market may decline uh, in the first part of next year. That's what's going to cause the Feds the Fed to start cutting rates, and that's going to hurt stocks. And correct me, any of you, if, if you think I'm wrong there. No, I, I agree with that. I think that there needs to be something broken a little bit more. You know, the Fed has broken the real estate market for the time being, and I think they need to break things a little bit more to get that deflationary environment. We've gotten the slowdown in inflation, but prices are still going up. And to get that deflationary environment, you need, you know, maybe a major pullback in the market. And when I say major, you know, 15%, you know, 18%, something like that. Um, and, you know, if you look at what expectations are in now, 2024 earnings expectations are for 12% growth. I just don't see that. Um, and so that's where you're, you know, that's the first culprit that I would think of when you're looking at what else can they break to get this deflationary environment, get a little bit higher unemployment to 
get us to a good footing where you can start spurring the economy on to to grow again. Cool. Now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what we think the housing market's going to do. And more importantly, we're going to come back and tell you exactly what you should be doing with your money based on our predictions. Okay, we're going to be right back after this. Okay, gang, we are back. Uh, before we get going, though, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Would you do me a favor and subscribe to this podcast? It's really important because it makes us more popular and it makes us able to bring you more uh, podcasts like this one. So if you'd like us, do something for us and, and share this show with your friends and subscribe. Takes you two seconds, really helps us. Okay, back at it, guys. Okay, so let, let's talk about housing and then we'll, then we'll uh, finish up by talking about what people should be doing right now in preparation for 2024. What do you, where do you see the housing market going? This one's tricky. What do you think, Mark? Yes, it definitely is tricky. Um, you know, it's pretty much a locked up market right now and you're not seeing a lot of trade. You know, I, I live in Marin County, which is some of the most expensive real estate in, in the country. And even out here, you're not seeing a lot of things turn over like you were six, 12, 18 months ago. And um, that's, I think, by design. The Fed wanted to lock up that market to um, help drive some uh, deflationary uh, aspects to the economy. That being said, um, you know, if you have homes like around here, the average home's one and a half million dollars. Well, at one and a half million dollars, it was trading there at when rates were at 3%, when you could get a mortgage at 3%. Well, now that a mortgage is at six or seven or seven and a half, I think you said 6.9 today, um, you know, that house should be a million dollars. And you haven't seen those prices come in yet. I've seen reductions. You know, people knocking off 50,000, people knocking off 100,000 maybe, but you haven't seen major price reductions. So something's got to give in that market to get things to move again. And it's going to be in that forced seller environment where people say, you know, my parents passed away and we're going to sell the house and we don't care how much money we get because we want the money. Or my job is moving to Texas and I need to sell this house, right? That's the forced seller environment where you'll start seeing uh, a little bit more price clarity, and then that'll drive other prices in the market. So I think you're going to see a drop in prices over the next season. You know, the selling season comes this spring, um, and you'll start seeing some prices uh, come back down because, you know, if something's trading at one and a half million at a 3% rate, you know, at 6%, it should be a million to a million two, right? Uh, rough numbers. Um, so you're going to see some price reductions, but eventually you'll see that market unlock. And, and actually, I don't have, uh, maybe one of you guys do, I don't have a prediction, an expert prediction. I have my own prediction, but I don't have like an expert prediction of where the stock market, or I'm sorry, the housing market's going next year. Do, do, do you, Miranda, Pam, or Aaron? I mean, like most most of the predictions are saying, you know, like like the uh, the supply is going to remain somewhat low. Like we still have that kind of in there. We've got supp tight supply. I know here in Idaho, um, as of July 2023, prices were actually down like 0.86%. Um, like, but you know, Idaho is Idaho, so like it's not it's not the rest of the country. Um, the thing that I will be interested in seeing, and I don't know where this is going to go, but I will be interested in seeing like whether if mortgage rates come down and if 
you know, housing becomes, uh, you know, home buying becomes a little bit more affordable as rates come down. But, you know, we'll see. Like if, if the housing supply remains tight, then prices may not drop even as mortgage rates do. And it may not be as affordable as we'd like. But I want to see how it affects the rental market. Because as we know, uh, I am a renter. <laughs> I am a confirmed renter. I have no interest in buying. <laughs> I like I like my rental um, and I like renting. So it'll be interesting to me to see where rental prices end up, especially in a place where I am, where we have a whole bunch of apartments being built. And how is that going to affect the rental market for people who haven't been able to buy a house in this current housing market? But if I said to you, <clears throat> like like I said, we used to stand on a street corner and ask people this. Are housing prices going to go up, down, or sideways? And by how much, what percent? Um, what what percent would you say they're going to go? And I'm talking about nationwide. And obviously, we all know that housing is local. Uh, but if you had to guess, and, and that's what these prognosticators do have to do. The, nationally, will will home prices be 5% higher, 5% lower, the same? What, what do you think, Miranda? Uh, I'm going to say they're going to just they're going to drop a little bit. Let's do a one to three percent drop. OK, and, and, and Mark, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not unlike. Now, you said a little more of a drop. You, you were talking about your specific market. But if you had to say nationally, do you think we're going to see a, a, a greater than one or two percent drop? Is that for me? Yes, that was for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything's local. You know, if you look at my local uh, environment here, you know, in 2008, 2009, I think prices went down 10 percent locally. You know, wow. rest of the country, you had some. Yeah. You had some 40 percent drops. Right. Um, because you're in a credit crunch and it's a totally different environment than what you have today. So if I'm looking locally, I think, you know, somewhere around five to 7% is probably reasonable price drops. But I think there's some parts of the country, um, especially in areas where, which have been overbuilt over the last, you know, when money was free over the last, call it five to seven years, where you could probably see a good 15% drop. In prices. Wow. I'm surprised you guys are, we're actually, this is the first thing we disagreed on. I mean, at least we're getting a spread. Pam, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of disagree a little bit there. I think that, um, I think housing prices are going to be stubborn. You know, obviously we keep saying over and over, real estate is local. So we're kind of looking around our own areas, you know, where we are. And I too am, um, you know, in Marin and San Francisco, but I'm also Cape Cod and I'm looking at what's happening on the Cape. That as sounded a better very building. hoity-toity, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm in I, San Francisco, I have and then I'm at the Cape. Oh, and then Paris. A house on Cape Cod, though. <laughs> uh, when I'm looking at, at, at what I feel is happening is I see affordability still being a big issue. I, I just really feel like consumers are are pretty stressed financially. And I think yeah, that if there's price adjustments. And the if you're asking me, is the price going to be lower? I'm going to say I don't think it's going to be that much lower. Maybe maybe by two percent across the country as a whole. I just think prices are going to be really stubborn because when interest rates, you know, mortgage rates are are lower, and it seems like there's more affordability. It's still there's a tight inventory. There's still fewer houses, even with what Mark's saying, where more people put their houses on the market because they are stressed out. Let's say, I still think net net net, I think we're going to be surprised that prices are not going to do what we think they're going to do. So is your guess zero or is, there, is your guess down or up zero? Slightly down, maybe slightly, slightly down, down. Well, maybe, actually, maybe down 2%. All right, I love it. She's right in there with my 1% to 3% down. Well, I hate Oof. for both of you to be wrong, but I think that's what's going to happen. Um, but let's let's ask Mr. Real Estate first. Here, here's our, our real estate, <laughs> not a stock guy, but a real estate guy, Aaron. Aaron, what do you think is going to happen? 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. Three to four percent. Um, here in our own neighborhood, we see houses that are ridiculously priced and they're dropping like craziness. And this this in Florida here, real estate's what up forty percent. Oh, it's uh, up a but, ton. Yeah, it's a ton. Um, but the influences that created that, well, everybody left the cities because they could remote work, and now the offices are pushing everybody back. And all of the CEOs going, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. you guys got to be in the office. And so now these guys are trying to figure out new places to live. You got a ton of boomers that you know are eventually going to probably, you know, as they disappear, they're going to sell. You know, all those houses are going to come in. We're not building homes fast enough. We've got well, that people would, like that me. Would be, that and would we don't. I, and one thing, let me pop in with one thing we didn't even touch on: inflation. So, I mean, when you're factoring in the fact that we're still at um, above average inflation, it, that plays into the housing market, obviously. Yeah, but that would increase prices. And you guys are you guys are dismal. And I, I'll tell you, I think uh, I'm, I'm going to be the outlier here. I think rates, I think uh, housing prices are going to go up again. And, it, and by the way, for those of you listening, coincidentally, everybody on this podcast lives in a very, very expensive housing market. Um, ones that grew a ton, uh, at least San Francisco traditionally has. I don't know about in the last year, but you know, I live in South Florida, so does Aaron, and Idaho too. Your prices went through the roof, so we've got the United States pretty well covered here. I say, I say, housing prices are going to go up five percent next year, and I'll tell you why. I think because the lower interest rates are really going to help. I think more inventory is going to come online, um, and, and so I, I, you know, that these are opposite things, but I, I think that uh, there's a lot of people that are. Call it a coiled spring. I think there's a lot of people that want to buy a house, and I think that they may f that have the opportunity to do so with with lower rates. So I I, I don't I'm not uh, I'm, I'm sanguine on housing prices. I, I think housing prices might go up a little bit. I'll, I'll well, say four percent. I don't know. I don't think percent. I don't think incomes are going up fat as fast as everything else is going up. So I think you're also going to see a shift of people moving out of the expensive areas and finding themselves into nice little tiny small towns and building new homes there. And you're going to see those markets increase in value while you see these ones go down. And and you also have the recession, the recession overall, risk. I think overall, though, I just think that everyone's expecting that, oh, you know, prices are going to come down. I, I just I, I just don't see it happening that, as much as people think. As much well, I'm as saying those, they're going to go up. Well, you realize I, we're all going to be here again next December to see if we were right or not. Oh shoot! That's what we did when when Aaron and I would shoot that story. We'd go out the next year and and say, "Here's what we said last year, and here's what these people said, and here's what the experts here's how said. wrong you were." They, yeah, exactly. You know, the um, monkey wrench in all of this is if Congress acts on institutional ownership of single family homes. Now, I didn't understand that at all. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good one too. Yeah. Private equity, private equity. Yeah, but that's actually a really small amount of homes, though. Yeah, it's a it's very small. What you're you're saying that they're going to try to prevent private equity from owning single family homes? There's there's discussions in Congress. It's kind of started, um, and you know they don't like it because obviously it's they're they're taking homes off the market from homeowners and turning yeah. them into rentals. Yeah, I understand that, and yet I thought we still lived in a free country. I guess not. But we'll we'll find out what happens. Yeah, they won't that. create laws against HOAs. Well, okay, you know what, guys? Before we run out of time, I promised our listeners that we would tell them how to position their long-term savings as a result of all this prognosticating we've been doing. So let's go around the horn real quick. Uh, Mark, you're our, you're our guest expert today. <clears throat> what should I be doing with my long-term savings? Sure. So uh, I'll just tell you what I'm doing with with most of my clients is, you know, we we've maintained a good asset allocation strategy. So dependent upon the client's risk, you know, if you're lower risk, you may have 50% equities, 50% bonds, 
you know, my higher risk, younger clients will have 70 or 80% equities. But of that equity allocation, I've taken some of that money away and put it into more stable, protected things like gold. Um, so I have about 5% gold in my client portfolios and about five or 6% is in short-term treasuries because, you know, short-term treasuries earning four to four and a half percent is a great place to park some of that money and act as ballast in your portfolio. That being said, if everything we've talked about comes to fruition, you know, you have a decent enough market where you get four, five, six percent return. Well, that beats your gold position, that beats your uh, your cash position. Um, and then lastly is the bond portion of the portfolios. You know, you've had bonds had a terrible year last year. Um, this year, they've been relatively flat. And I think we have, if we do get those rate cuts that we're talking about, we have a pretty good bond market coming up for us. So I've maintained a full bond allocation for clients. So it's it's a pretty standard allocation if you want to talk about like the 60-40 portfolio, which of course, you know, two years ago, everybody was talking about how it was dead. This year, it's up 13%. Um, you know, it's a pretty standard allocation with the caveat of let's have a little gold in case everything goes wrong. And let's have a little cash because cash is earning us a good four to four and a half percent without us having to do anything. Hey, I was going to ask that you brought up a good point, Mark. And I was going to ask you guys this. Uh, Pam did a prediction that, you know, the market is only going to go up five percent like it does basically. So we have a lot of our money in uh, uh, high, sa high yield savings accounts. Uh, we just parked it there for safety. But as we talked about, if all that's all the interest is going back down, I've read something about, hey, throw it all in a CD. It's up above what five point five. You need lock like in a, rates a, now. Lo lock it can. in if you think that if you think the market's going to be topsy turvy and you have no idea, maybe a CD is the right way to go. Is that something to consider? Yeah, certainly. I mean, if, if you're if you're looking out a year, um, you know, a year uh, is a good CD. You can get a good rate on the year uh, long CD. Um, you know, the decision then is what do I do after a year? And hopefully, the market hasn't gone up. 10% and I'm sitting in a 5% CD during that time. So you're playing a little bit of a game um, versus having the liquidity of having it in a high yield savings. Yeah, but uh, Mark, I mean, I'll go to this pop and say this one thing. I mean, it's like the answer is, you know, diversification wins all battles. Um, you know, having enough cash for me is, you know, um, it's er it's earning enough that I can feel like I, I feel good about having enough money in cash. And that to me is my biggest thing thing for 2024 your sleep, your sleep at night portion of your i don't want to be stressed out that i have too much money in the market and i yeah I, if I even if i am giving up the gains of the market in lieu of having that safety i just see from where i sit i see a lot of people that just don't have enough money really in cash well i've got boxes of 50 stacked up all over my house um, you know, now, you know, what about long? I, I'm thinking about. You know what I did? I bought. I bought a uh, five-year uh, Treasury bond a couple of months ago at five percent. Well, four point nine something percent, and I'm really happy I bought that. I wish I'd bought more, but I'm thinking about now. Uh, I should have already bought more longer-term bond funds or a bond e ETF, uh, and I have not done that. And now I'm waiting for interest rates to take back up because you know, obviously, if you get a one-year CD and next year when that thing matures, interest rates are back to two then you, you're going to wish you'd gone longer than that. 
what a, and and I guess obviously you can you can make a ladder. You can have some stuff coming due short and some stuff coming due long. But I, I think that getting in some longer term, or at least medium term. When I say medium term, I mean five to ten year, uh, either bonds or bond funds. I think that makes sense. Do you, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. I have all of my clients in some form of a you know SHV or, or you know three to seven year treasury funds. Um, the portions of their allocation will be in that kind of stuff. I have some longer term, um, you know, corporates sitting out there, but, uh, yeah, three to seven years, a pretty good, I think, uh, sweet spot, sweet, uh, sweet spot. Yeah. I wish I'd done that a month ago or like, actually just a few weeks ago. I mean, interest rates have dropped like a rock lately, but anyway, uh, and Miranda, what I know what, let me see if I can guess what you're, what you're going to do. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's you're, do it. You're going to, you know, you're going to put some money in an S and P 500 index fund every month and, and you're not going to worry about it. <laughs> That is correct. Um, but, <laughs> We've but worked yeah, together no, before, folks. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very boring and a very simple person. Um, so you are not so, boring. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> but no, uh, no. I'm going to keep. So I have my regular dollar cost averaging plan, and I'm going to keep sticking with that dollar cost averaging plan. Now, I have done in a couple of my accounts, um, as we know, that I I do enjoy using a bucket strategy to some degree. And so like, especially for my son's 529, um, you know, I've, I've been using that bucket strategy to make sure that I move, um, move a portion of that, the portion that I think I'm going to need in the next two years into cash so that, um, so that it's there, it's ready. Uh, I've captured some gains on it uh, in that 529, but the cash is there, and I don't have to um, I don't have to sell things at a loss if the market drops, and so to, to help pay for my son's school. And so you know, I, I kind of use that bucket strategy to look at different things, like in my travel fund or in other areas of my life, where I'm like, okay, I, I know I'm going to need some of this money uh, coming up soon, so let's capture some gains, let's move that into um, you know cash. Uh, instruments so that we can and cash like things so that you know it's it's there and I'm not selling selling things if I you know and if I do have to sell stuff at a loss later um well you know congratulations on that tax deduction so um <laughs> like but but yeah so yeah I'm, I'm just I'm pretty simple and pretty boring about stuff and I'm gonna just you know I'll stick with my long-term dollar cost averaging strategy for my long-term stuff and then I have a few accounts where I go ahead and use that bucket so really strategy. no change based on no. anything that's in the wind now let's talk to bi coastal Pam. Pam with a with a house in San Francisco and the Cape. What what are you doing? What are you doing okay, with well, your with your long term savings? My well, my advice to myself is the same advice I would say for anybody is diversification. I said that earlier. Diversify I say it to myself all the time. Diversification wins all battles. And I constantly remind myself to that. And asset allocation does matter. You know, so paying just paying attention is the perennial advice year over year over year especially for next year, I just feel like, you know, some, you know who you are, either you have enough in cash or you don't, but, you know, don't feel like you have to move everything back into the market, you know, just make sure that you're really well positioned uh, because throughout the year, as we've talked about, you know, the market's likely to, it's not just going to be, you know, straight line up, ending the year up, say 5% or whatever it's going to be. It's got to be like, you know, up and down. And I just uh, think that it's just, um, Making sure that you've got enough money in in cash is what I'm focused on for 24. Awesome. Well, we do have to close the podcast, but I want to remind you folks uh, that are listening that 
we're, we have a consensus on almost all this stuff. So you can almost bet that is not what is going to happen. <clears throat> do, the, do the opposite of what we we're saying, and you'll probably be better off. Yeah, what about the old adage, be fearful when everybody's greedy and be greedy when everybody's fearful? Is that yeah, in play right now? I've made yeah, a lot of money doing work. that. Yep, it does always work. And always be in the market. You know, I, I, I was really afraid of the stock market uh, in 2023. Uh, and, and, and I learned that I'm often wrong about that. So I just yeah, left everything alone. Yeah, stay invested. Yep, yeah. made, made a ton of money. Okay, we are out of time, folks, but we are never out of topic. Dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, well, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And, of course, you want to visit Pam at her website. That is wealthramp.com. And, Mark, you're going to have to – it's not in my script. Tell me your website. Yeah, you can uh, come visit me at shorepinewealth.com. Shorepinewealth.com. And you'll find him on WealthRamp. Yes. Uh, listen to you shamelessly plugging. Okay. If you've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest – Tell us about it. You can email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. And let me repeat what I said at the break. If you like us, show us. Subscribe to our podcast. Tell your friends. Really helps us. I am Stacy Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquette. Making it rain, Aaron Freeman. And Pam and Mark, we sure appreciate y'all's time. We look forward to counting the minutes until you're back on our podcast again. I thanks do. For, thanks, thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. Bye, We're going to see you right here next time. <laughs>